Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can go through a divorce, separation. It's not the end of the world. You can remarry, you can be happy, you can have kids, just like me. But again, following your purpose, you can be connected to all the promises of God and everything that he has purpose for your life. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we are international today, baby. We went down to Columbia and found my man, Jason Williams. Wilson, Jason Wilson, how are you, my brother? I'm doing great, Jerome. How you doing, brother? Great, man. Thanks for making time for us today, man. Super excited to be in with you. We do things a little untraditional on the show, and so we always start out by asking you to tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you, because... I know they're going to want to get in contact with you after the show. Okay. So the best way, man, is through LinkedIn. That's where I spend the majority of my time on social media. So if you type in Jason Wilson, or actually Jason the Healer, you can find me. Jason the Healer. All right. You, you can't drop that without us going right there, man. How'd you become the healer? Actually, man, if you look up Jason in Greek or Hebrew, either one of them, it'll tell you translation is the healer. Okay. Yeah. So. I gave him a little bit about the geography. You, you went down south, a little further than South Beach. Yeah, actually, man, I'm from Atlanta originally. So okay. I ended up meeting my ex-wife, who was from Bogota, in Atlanta. And she just happened to be there for summer vacation, visiting her family. And we had a long-distance relationship after that. And we decided to get married. I came on down. And at that time, it was uh, the end of 2002. So, you know, there were still kidnappings, bombings. And all kinds of, you know, drug trafficking in the news, on the internet and every place else. And there was Uh nothing good that you could read about Columbia, right? So, I mean, of course, it created a bunch of fear. So my ex-wife was like, okay, Jason, don't worry about what you read in the news or see on TV or anything like that. Come on down, see what it's like, and you can make your decision from there. So when I got here, I was like, this is nothing like what it said in the media. Absolutely nothing. 
So, I mean, it's a beautiful country, man. People are nice. They treat you like you're a king if you're from the United States. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think the media would portray the country in such a negative light? Well, man, that's that's a long story. But, I, you know, of course, it goes back to the drug trade. So I think that in order to perpetuate that business, you know, they, they have to show the country in a, in a negative light. That's that's my oh. that's my thought. So they're advertising yeah. for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you get there and you see for yourself, and I feel like there's a lesson in that because I think from time to time we can hear about people not being great people, and so we just decide not to interact or engage with them based on what we heard. But if you actually yeah. take the time to actually get to know them and go and see for yourself you may have a different experience. And I mean, I, I just think there's some real value there. But yeah, so I guess you decided to move. So you've been down there for over 20 years now. 20 years. Yeah. I love it here, man. I'm, I'll tell you something else, Jerome. Every foreigner that I've met from the United States, Europe, I mean, they could be from anywhere. They get here and they don't want to go back home. So what's the biggest difference? Cause I mean, I think there are more and more people who are living life by design, deciding to pick up a laptop and work remotely. And, you know, sometimes you hear a cost of living is cheaper. Sometimes you hear people are nicer. Other times you hear it's more dangerous. Like, yeah. How'd you, was it simply for love or were you looking for more in that change when you, you transitioned from living in the U S to living in Columbia? Okay, well, before I met my ex-wife, I had a Colombian girlfriend when I was living in Texas. So, you know, after that experience, I said, hey, you know what? My wife has got to be Colombian. I had I had that in my brain. And so I started to do some research here and there from books because, you know, there was really nothing on the Internet that you could find about Colombia that was positive. So, I mean, all the Colombians that I met in Texas told me good things about it. So I always wanted to come here and visit. But I said, you know what? There's a lot of opportunity to create businesses here in Colombia that don't exist, but are, you know, commonplace in the States. So that's the way that I looked at it. And so, of course, I came down here for love. That was my motivation. And I always I also wanted to create a business. OK. And yeah. so what were you doing in the States before you moved down and did your job transfer or did you just walk away and leave it all behind? Oh, dude, I left everything behind. I was in no the way. Yeah, yeah. I was in the fitness industry for 10 years before I left the States. So I started off as a personal trainer. I started my own business doing that. Then after that, I managed health clubs. I was personal training director at several clubs. And then the last job that I had at Gold's Gym was a corporate sales director. So I left all of that behind. And my vision coming here was that, okay, my best subject in school was always English. So I knew that I was going to teach English. And eventually, you know, teach English to executives as a, as a second language. So that's what I did. And but as soon as I got off the plane, everybody that my ex-wife knew wanted to have me as their teacher. So that's how I started to teach English. And then I got a couple of contracts at a couple of international companies here to teach their employees. And then I found out that, OK, they didn't like the methodologies that existed here. So they were like, okay, Jason, we love you as our teacher. But what can you do for us? Because we don't like the books that we had before. So I had to create a methodology to teach English. Whoa. Yeah. 
So how difficult is that? Well, I tell you, I had to ask God for, for direction on that. So he gave me some ideas and I sat on my computer for like three, four months and created my first book. So that, that book has turned into a three book series. It's a basic, intermediate and advanced level course for teaching English. Oh, you know? so are you still an English teacher? Cause you were telling me about something else earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still teach English. I just have a few students. But my vision is to create a, a bridge, like from Colombia to the States and other countries, because a lot of people want to leave here and go to other countries for relocation purposes and to have better opportunities. So I'm in the midst of that right now. And uh, besides that, though, I have a, an organization called Circle of Friends Club. So Circle of Friends Club is a mental wellness community. And uh, I want to really, really help people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, TSD, suicidal ideation, and other mental health concerns because of, yeah, I think really since the pandemic, you know, we've seen a lot, a lot more news about that. People committing suicide, especially children, man. So I want to do something to help out. So when I first saw your profile on LinkedIn, I was like, that sounds really interesting. And so let's dive a little bit deeper on the circle of friends because the suicidal ideation is something that comes up when we're talking to NEOs, newly exited operators, people who built a business and then exited it because, you know, purpose is gone usually because they spent so much time building this thing. Right. They don't have the authority that they used to have because they're no longer in the position that they were at the company. And so they end up feeling lost and looking for what's next. So how does Circle of Friends help? people who are going through those things? Is it just being a friend or is there more method to the madness? Well, actually, we're going to do events to connect people to have friendships outside of work. That's one of our activities. But the other thing is that we're going to start organizing our first mental health expo in Atlanta to take place next year. So that's, that's a huge vision that I have for next year. But through all the contacts and you know people that are advocates of mental health, I'm sure that I'll get support for it. Without question. So yeah. will it be bilingual? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, you, you would be surprised how many Colombians live in Atlanta now. How'd you learn? You had to learn Spanish in order to be able to teach, teach English. So like, yeah. how'd you get fluent in Spanish? Because I think America is the only country where the majority of people don't speak multiple languages. Right, right. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, just like a lot of my classmates, I took Spanish in high school and, uh, up to the intermediate level at Morehouse. I went to Morehouse College. And so I had a, a basic level of, of Spanish when I got here. But that Spanish does not prepare you to have conversation in Spanish. You know, you learn all the gra grammatical stuff in school. But to have a conversation, though, you need to be in, in the country or that target language and be surrounded by it. So, you know, watching TV all the time in Spanish going out to the store, taking a taxi and having to talk to the taxi driver in Spanish, you, you eventually learn it. And of course, talking to your friends and, okay, if you marry somebody from your target language, you, you have to speak that language. So that, that's how I learned. Just looking up words in the dictionary all the time and making a vocabulary list and trying to use those words in conversation whenever you have conversation, that's how you learn. And so did you apply the same thing when you were coming up with your methodology to teach people who were native Spanish speakers English? No, because the thing is, is that my method is called the immersion method. So every natural situation that, that you encounter during, during the day, okay, you got to go to the store, 
you got to take public transportation, possibly. If you travel, you need to go to a hotel. You got to book your appointment for the hotel. All of those real world situations are in my book. So it's, it's all about, you know, learning specific phrases for those situations, the vocabulary, grammatical structure, and of course, pronunciation. All of those lessons are in my book for real world situations. So a person would come to you, they would say, hey, Jason, I, I want to learn how to speak English so that I can either move or just do business in an English speaking country. Yeah. And you engage with them for you give they get the books. And then is there like weekly meetings or monthly meetings or something that goes with that or? Yeah, absolutely. So if they're starting out with a basic level and they don't have any English at all, I recommend that they have at least four hours a week. So they meet with me for four hours and then I give them homework to do outside of class. They have video assignments, listening activities. So that's the program. And it lasts up to about six months. And then they're fluent. They're very, very close. But the whole thing about it, though, is that, you know, just coming to class won't do it. You have to be immersed by the language on your own, like in your house. I, I tell all my students, put all your devices in English. All of the programs that you watch on TV in English. It's not going to help you if you leave class and everything is in Spanish, you see. So you have to do as much as you as you possibly can to surround yourself by the target language. And that's what you did. Man, yeah. how'd you get so courageous and just leave everything behind in Colombia? Were you just fed up with corporate America and yeah, that was part of running? That was part of it. And the other part of it, though, I always had a dream of having my own business and learning Spanish. I wanted to learn Spanish and I wanted to have children. So I wanted my children to be bilingual so that they would have more opportunities, more open doors. So my son, you know, I talk to my son all the time in English and my wife speaks to him in Spanish. So, of course, you know, he's bilingual. He's 13 years old now. But, but by the time he graduates from high school, and maybe he wants to go to university in the States or someplace else abroad. I mean, guy's the limit. Language won't be the barrier. No, you know, absolutely the not. The older I get, the more people I meet who speak two, three, four, five languages. One thing, at one point, I thought it was just something that spies did. But I'm finding out that people from like Haiti or some places in Europe, they, and even in like the West Coast of Africa, they're speaking a handful of languages. Yeah, and yeah. It makes it made me start questioning why I wasn't fluent in more than one language. And so I started studying Spanish to work on my ability to at least comprehend what people are saying, even if I can't respond to them. Right. So what was your exit plan? Like, how did you did you just walk in one day and say, I'm done? And then you had your stuff packed and you jump on a plane and left. Or was there more planning to it? Man. OK, so I told you my last job was at Gold's Gym. And I had a good friend. His name was Orlando. And Orlando was fed up with Gold's Gym as well. And we had a joke every time we went to lunch. We, we would always say, Orlando, it's a good day to quit. So, man, I, you know, in my mind, my bags were packed already. So, you know, it was just a matter of meeting my, my ex-wife and, and going through that whole experience, which pretty much set my mind to leave. And so tell me about the day you left. Was it sending the oh. resignation letter and never go back? Was it never coming back for lunch? Like, give me the goods, man. Come on. <laughs> no, actually, it, it took a little bit longer than that because I had decided to leave Texas and go back home to Atlanta to help my mother. 
And at the time she was suffering from depression and she had diabetes. So my plan was to help her with a diet, her exercise program and everything. And uh, I would get a job at LA Fitness, which is what I did. So I got that job and about four months later, that's when I met my ex-wife. So it took some time. And then she swept you off your feet and you was like, okay, I'm going home with you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's crazy. So did you give up your citizenship in the U.S.? I I think it's just fascinating. Okay. No, no, not at all. Actually, I have dual citizenship. So after you're married for three years here in Colombia, you can get your, your resident visa. So you're considered a citizen after, after three years. I, I know a guy that actually got married so that he could get citizenship and not in Colombia, but in another country. And then that kind of ended up backfiring on him. So that, that part scares me. I'm, I'm glad you didn't do it for that reason. But no. riddle me, what are, what are some things that you, you figured out after you moved that you wish you would have known beforehand? So maybe you could have planned for what would I have done? I think if I go back to the university, I would have majored in business. I think I would have done that first, business administration, because a lot of the lessons that I learned with my first business, which was a speed dating company here in Columbia, actually, I would have majored in business administration and marketing. And like I told my wife the, just the other day, I said, you can have the best website, the, the best location and client list. But if you don't know how to market your business, I mean, you're going to going to go out of business. So yeah, that's the thing that I would have changed. And so how'd you pick those skills up? Because I know you're helping people with podcasts now market their podcast so that they can, you know, increase their reach. Well, I I know you've heard the expression fail forward, but that's what I did, man. With my speed dating company, you know, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all a bad experience. We had more than 200 marriages from 2010 to 2015. So on that end, you know, it was successful. What I was trying to do, though, was expand it from Colombia to other countries. And but the first problem was with the name, we weren't we weren't able to expand it. It was speed dating in Colombia was the name of it. And then the other thing was the marketing piece and monetary resources. You know, we just we just didn't have it at the time. So the best thing for us to do that I thought at the time was just to sell the business. So we sold it. And then not too long After that, I started Circle of Friends. So on the backside of exiting that business, was it all relief? Was it joy and excitement? Was there some pain or like a a dip in what to work on or asking what now or what was it all for? For me and and my wife, too, it was it was pain because, you know, we hated to leave that business and we made so many friends through that business. I mean, we had couples calling us up like four months after the event that they attended and, and we're like, we're getting married. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've seen that case, you know, over and over again, which was hard to walk away from. But uh, as far as expanding the business and other things that we wanted to do, it was just best better to come up with a completely different concept, which would be international. So that's what Circle of Friends Club is. Wow. Yeah. So did you do like consultants or... Like, how would you learn how to market? Because trial and error gets really expensive really fast. Yeah, yeah. Actually, man, from the speed dating experience, I started to do Facebook ads. And those Facebook ads were working until Facebook said one day, just all of a sudden, no warning, no nothing. Okay, now dating companies, 
and speed dating companies can no longer advertise on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we were filling up our events like this. I mean, it was really, really easy from those ads. And then all of a sudden we didn't have advertisement. So that that was the thing that that really, really hurt us. And so you is that when you decided to sell the company or did you guys figure out how to get events full without the Facebook ads? Actually, I decided to take on a partner and his responsibility was to inject money into the company for advertisement outside of Facebook. So he ended up starting like Google ads, which were working here and there, but it wasn't as successful as the Facebook ads. And then some other things happened and I just decided to sell the company and give him 100% of it. So my wife and I walked away and I continued with this circle of friends idea. And so can circle of friends advertise on Facebook or what's the marketing strategy yeah. for that one? Yeah, I don't have any problem to do that with the circle of friends club. It's not a dating company. It's just a company that's mental wellness based. And we, of course, we're going to have friendship type of events, but the main crux of the business is mental wellness. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So you mentioned that there was pain associated with the exit. Yeah. How did you and your wife work through it? It's good that you had a companion to go through it with, but how did you guys like heal from the pain since you're the healer? Let me use that. Actually, man, you know, here and there, we still talk about it because we still have people today asking us about the speed dating company. And, you know, my partner that I sold out to, he ended up stopping the events like right when the pandemic started. And since then, he hasn't done anything with it, which is kind of painful. He's got this huge list of people, man, and they want to do or they want to participate in the events and, and they can't. So we still talk about that here and there sometimes today, man. Really? Yeah. So did you sign a non-compete or? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That That's something I regret, regret as well. So is it still in force? Because, I mean, that was a while back. COVID, what, was 2020, yeah. 2023 now. We're like three years out from when they first locked everything down in the States. It seems like the non-compete would almost be up. And so if you wanted to go back down that path, but it doesn't sound like you really do because of the app no. and getting traffic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, with Circle of Friends Club, it's a much bigger vision and it requires a lot more, I would say, focus. And, you know, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. I really am. Have you set any events yet? Like, are any dates picked? We're we're projecting for next, like October, next year. Of 24? Yeah, 24. Okay. Yeah. That's outstanding, man. I I think it's pretty cool that you're, you're focused on helping folks with mental health. It seems like in communities, minority communities, people of color, there's a stigma around saying there's something wrong or 
seeking help from a mental health standpoint. Right. What would you say to a person out there who's listening to this and getting a message they're not used to receiving about any, I call it stigma, that may be out there for them? Well, I think, you know, one of the most important things for me, Jerome, is that, you know, I'm a spiritual life coach. So as a spiritual life coach, I encourage everybody that I meet not to just look at mental health as a mental issue. It's not just the mental issue, it's a spiritual issue as well that people are suffering from. Matter of fact, did you ever see The Social Dilemma? That documentary on? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even the people that created Facebook and Google and Instagram and all of these other platforms, they said that, you know, from a spiritual point of view, these people are being programmed to make these decisions to stay on their phone and these apps, you know, like 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day. They have no life outside of social media, you know, and it's not just a mental ish- issue in that case. It's a spiritual issue, too. These people have completely lost their identity. They're depressed. They're anxious about everything. And, you know, the majority of these people have committed suicide as well. So spiritual aspect is very important. You're talking about mental health. So is there a specific doctrine that you subscribe to or how do you get folk to move along that spiritual path or journey? Well, you know, not everybody believes in God. Not everybody's a Christian. You know, there's, you know, tons of different kinds of faiths out there. But I think everybody will agree, though, that fear exists. So I start by having a conversation on fear. What are your fears? And from that conversation, that opens up a lot more other avenues that I can go down as far as things they've experienced in their past, like abuse and other things that have happened to them, which has led them down this path of mental health problems. So I think, you know, the first thing to deal with when you're talking about depression, anxiety, PTSD, and all of those things is in a lot of cases, you can trace it all the way back to that person's childhood. And those experiences have created a tremendous amount of fear in people's lives. So I don't know that it's a fair question, but I'll ask anyway, how is fear and trauma connected? Oh, well, do you believe in angels? Yeah. Okay. So if you believe in angels, then you got to believe that demons exist as well. So what is the job of a demon? Well, demons exist to give you suggestions in your mind because they can't make you do anything, right? But they can give you suggestions on how to behave. And if you listen to those suggestions, you can be connected to fear, depression, all of those other mental health issues. But beyond that, you can be connected to early death, other health concerns, and other problems that are spiritually connected. So you can take the, the opposite of every promise of God. So love, happiness, peace, joy, long life, prosperity, relationships. Those are all the promises of God. So what these demons want to do is, is to get you connected to the opposite of that or curses, in, in other words. So the way that they connect you to these things is through negative thoughts. And the problem is, is that, okay, if you don't believe in God, you're probably thinking that these are my thoughts. I'm responsible for this, but you're not responsible for that. These thoughts are coming from the demonic realm. And, you know, another thing about this, Jerome, is that I did a lot of study on dreams. 
I've had some some supernatural experiences that have happened to me since I've been here in Columbia in dreams. So I said, you know, there's something to this. And so I found a pastor on YouTube. His name is John Paul Jackson. And he died back in like, I think in 2015, I believe. But he did spiritual dream interpretation. Uh, he did shows and, you know, wrote several books on, on the subject. So I did some study on, on his program. And so I, I now interpret dreams. Very, very interesting stuff. There's actually 20 categories of dreams that people don't know about, you know. So, it's man, it's, it's fascinating stuff. So I'm intrigued now because, I mean, you are now the consummate teacher. We've, we've gone from teaching people how to speak Spanish yeah. or speak English, teaching yourself to speak Spanish, then teaching English. And now people are, how does the process work for you to interpret a dream? They bring you the dream and what happened? So, you know, beyond the categories, all the symbols from dreams have a meaning. The, the colors in your dreams have a meaning. If you're in some kind of transportation, some kind of mode of transportation, it could be a bus, a car, you could be riding a bicycle. All of those things have a meaning. The kind of weather that you see in your dream, it could be raining, snowing. If you're like in a flood or some other kind of natural disaster, like a tornado, earthquake, all of those things have a, have a meaning in dreams. And the thing is, Jerome, is that, you know, it's not just a dream. Your spirit actually leaves your body every single night and goes to the spiritual dimension or the spiritual realm where all of this stuff is taking place. You think it's a dream, but it's, it's not. You're actually there, but in your spiritual existence, which lives on even after you die. When you die, that's not it. I mean, there, there's an existence spiritually after you die. So you're actually in that dimension in your dreams. So you're tapping in. To the other plane. Yeah. Yeah. So, so everything that you experience in those dreams, you can be influenced through your subconscious with not, without even, even knowing it. And see, these demonic spirits can be masquerading as friends or family members that have passed on, or it could be people that, that you're connected to right now that you see in dreams, but those aren't your friends or family members. Those are actually demonic spirits masquerading as these people. That's, that's another interesting thing about, about dreams. So how can people tell the difference? Good question. Okay. So you can go by your emotion, your emotions in dreams. If you come out of that dream, happy, peaceful, joyful, then that's a dream from God. But if you come out sweating frustrated, angry, scared, terrified. That's a dream that comes from the demonic realm. And you're being influenced by some kind of demonic spirit in those kinds of dreams. So people call it a nightmare, night terrors. Those are demonic dreams. So how do we protect ourselves from them? Okay, there's several things that you can use. You can use prayer, speaking the, the word of God in dreams. So, you know, several times, man, I was in a night terror and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And then I immediately wake up. So that's another powerful weapon. So you can train yourself to be conscious in the spiritual dimension, which is actually a lucid dream. Have you ever had a, a lucid dream or do you know what a lucid dream is? Yeah. So that's a dream where you can smell, you can touch, you can taste. Everything that you that you can experience right now awake, you can do in dreams. 
So that's a lucid dream. I've had several of, of those. But yeah, you, you can train yourself to be conscious of what's going on in those kinds of dreams. What, what really, really works, though, is praying before you go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how many things are rituals and most people don't understand why they're doing them. They just do them, right? Kids are taught to say yeah. prayers before they go to bed, but they're just doing it because somebody told them to do it. Yeah. You just put in why the ritual started. So when you interpret dreams, does that, because it's two different planes or two different realms, does one actually impact or influence the other or is one foretelling or foreshadowing in one space or the other space? Well, you have 20 categories. So you have prophetic dreams, you have invention dreams like Thomas Edison. He talked about how he came up with the idea of the light bulb. He said he had a dream about it. So God can speak to you through dreams and give you ideas, concepts, actions to take. So it can be a warning dream as well you know, something that's foreshadowing something that could happen in the future that you can prevent by taking another course of action. So God can speak to you through several kinds of, of different dreams, but so can the enemy. He can talk to you with, with, with dreams as well and try to get you influenced to do something in waking life, which is what happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And so are there certain things that happen to put it in a specific category? Like if somebody it's like, Jason, I, I need to know if I'm having a, a prophetic dream or, a, yeah, let's just go with prophetic. Like, what types of things should they be looking for? Well, prophetic dream. Well, I think an indication of that would be that, you know, this event hasn't taken place yet. You, you know that from the dream. Right. A, another indication is that you can go by your emotions again. You're peaceful. You're happy, joyful. Go by the way that you feel about the dream when you wake up. And then again, take a look at all the symbols from your dreams, colors, modes of transportation. That will give you an indication on how to interpret what's going on. I was just thinking about how I had one of those dreams. And it was right before we went to Belize for our extraction trip. And it was about one of the caves that we were going to go into when we went down to Belize. And... I remember sitting in the inner tube. Actually, we were walking through the jungle in order to get to the river that we were going to float on. And I saw a pig like run in front of us, a wild pig. And I was like, I seen this before. I've been here before. And I'd actually huh. been to that place, but I didn't have the pig thing happen. And so it happened in a dream, then it happened in real life. And then when we got in a cave, it was just, when it was like completely dark. It was just a different sense of peace. I thought it was pretty cool because they were, the Mayans saw that place as the, the way to get to the, and so it, it was really interesting. The way, the way to get, the way to get where? To the underworld. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say, man, you know, a wild, that's a demonic symbol in really? dreams. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, you know, that, that's, that's no accident. That's great. We've been everywhere. It's, 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 it's fascinating to think that, you know, your dreams could actually have validity on waking life. But yeah, it, it absolutely does. So how does deja vu work? Is that part of the whole dream network and the spirit leaving the body and so on? It is. But on a, on a deeper level, you know, when you were created, you were created as a spirit by God in heaven. And then you were born through your mother's womb. 
right? So in the Bible, there, there were actually two creations of the man. So when he created the man and the woman, he created them as spirits first in the first chapter of Genesis. But a lot of people think that he was creating the body of the man. But if you go to chapter two, that's where you, you see that he's creating the, the bodies of the man and the woman. So if you go back to chapter one, he's actually creating the spirit. So if you have the same spirit of God, that's eternal. It, it never dies. So if you're an eternal spirit, then, you know, who knows how long you were alive before you got to the earth. So it could be that you're having memory in that dream or, or here on the earth. It could be a memory of something that you experienced. That's why. It's wild, isn't it? I, I know, I know, I know. But but you're but you're an eternal spirit, you see. So man, I don't know. Could be a memory. So with that said, I know a lot of people are really sad when somebody passes away. Yeah, yeah. And so, do you have a word of comfort for those folks? If yeah, you accept that last statement to be true. Absolutely, man. You will see your relatives again. So there's no reason to be to be sad. It's just a transition from one state of existence to the next. So, I mean, your spirit never dies. So you're going to see them again. Matter of fact, man, when my grandfather died, he had been dead for like two, three years. And I had gone to Atlanta. I was already married and here in Columbia, but I had gone back home for like four months to visit. And while I was on that trip, I had a dream with my grandfather who had been dead for two or three years. And in the dream, Jerome, he, he looked like he was like 30 years old. But my grandfather died when he was like 93, 94 years old. And at the time, my, my wife and I were going through some problems. And he said, he said, Jason, don't worry about your marriage or anything like that. He said that everything's going to be all right. He said that, you know, you're just going through something that everybody experiences in marriage. He said that when your grandmother and I were starting out, he said she was acting crazy. I didn't want to be at home. He said that, but we got through that situation. And he said that you're going to get through it and everything's going to be all right. And then I said, okay. I said, all right. And then I woke up. Yeah, man. Yeah. So he was right. <laughs> he was right. He was right, man. We got through that situation and my wife and I have been married now 14 years. Outstanding. Yeah. So we've been everywhere, man. I, <laughs> I hope the listeners were able to keep up. The yeah. common thread through it all is that you can learn in all of your experiences if you're brave enough to actually explore them for yourself versus listening to what other people may tell you. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our conversation? today? Don't be afraid to follow your, your dreams. Don't be, don't be afraid to follow your dreams and ask God what your purpose is. Because everybody has a reason for, for living, for existing. So not only do you owe it to your family and friends to find out what that purpose is, but you owe it to yourself to find out what that is. In that purpose, you have happiness, peace, joy, love. I mean, everything that you want, right, can be found through following your purpose. Through following my purpose, I, I met my current wife. My first wife, my first Colombian wife, died of cancer. But before she died of cancer, though, we had separated and got divorced. And my current wife, though, is my soulmate. So you can go through a divorce, separation. It's not the end. It's, it's not, you know, the end of the world. 
you can remarry, you can, can be happy, you can have kids just like me. But again, following your purpose, you can be connected to all the promises of God and everything that he has purpose for your life. Yeah, following your purpose connects you to the promises of God. I don't think of, I could come up with a more beautiful way to end the episode. So brother Jason, I appreciate you jumping on with us today. I'm sure the listeners enjoyed this. Thanks a lot, brother. Li- Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.